Today, on July 4th, we remember that in 1776, America's first Continental Congress declared independence from the British monarchy. Now, we note that although independence was declared on this day, a war would still need to be fought to secure that independence for America. Is that me, or is that one of the other mics making clicking noises? Yeah? It's me? I am the problem? The first step is to admit that you are the problem. So although independence was declared on July 4th of 1776, just because it was declared, there still needed to be a war. There was going to be a war for America's independence that followed. And that's what we find in today's passage. This is Israel's war for independence. In previous passages, we've already heard the Lord, through Moses and Aaron, go to Pharaoh and declare Israel's independence from Pharaoh. But now a war is going to be fought to secure that independence. And so what's been read for us today in three parts was Israel's war for independence. Now, I didn't feel like it was necessary for us to spend one Sunday on each one of the ten plagues. You're welcome. But originally, I also wasn't going to have the account read in its entirety simply because of its length. We just had about 16 minutes of Scripture read to us today. Uh, however, I really, I really like that. It's nice to read longer passages of Scripture together and to hear them read together. Because as I studied and I prepared, I realized we really needed to hear it in its entirety so that we could hear the flow of it. But also, there are certain details in it that I want to be able to draw out with you and I want us to have been able to hear so that we can understand it. Because specifically, what we want to understand is the purpose. We want to understand the purpose of the plagues. Because the truth of the matter is that the Lord could have delivered His people from slavery without all the fanfare. The truth is, ten plagues was ten plagues more than was necessary. So what's the purpose of the plagues? And in understanding the purpose of the plagues, we'll better understand the Lord. You know, the Lord himself said to Moses, uh, said through Moses to Pharaoh in Exodus 9:15, "By now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth." He admits, "I didn't need to do all these plagues," which means that he had a purpose behind them. What was his purpose, and what do we learn about God through these plagues? Well, the full statement, we just read verse 15, but the full statement, chapter 9, verses 14 through 16, actually give us the Lord's purpose for the plagues. He says, For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people, so that, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So, so why the place? Verse 14, so that you may know there's none like me in all the earth. I am peerless. There are none like me. I stand alone as God. Secondly, the plagues are, verse 16, for this purpose I've raised you up to show you my power. The plagues demonstrate his power 
power with which none can contend. And thirdly, verse 16, that my name be proclaimed to all the earth. So again, the three reasons for the plagues are are that the Lord may be shown to be peerless, powerful, and that His name might be proclaimed. Three Ps. Peerless, powerful, and His name proclaimed. Let's consider those three things in order. First, that the Lord is peerless. When Moses went before Pharaoh and declared Israel's independence, you might remember it didn't go so well. When Moses first showed up in Pharaoh's presence and he said, the Lord says, let my people go, it went over with Pharaoh about as well as America's declaration of independence went over with King George. Upon declaring the independence, Pharaoh responds in Exodus 5.2. He said, who is the Lord, who is this Yahweh, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. He says, I don't know Yahweh. Who is Yahweh that I should let Israel go? Now, Egypt, like all of the other nations of that time, they worshipped a wide variety of gods. All the natural phenomena that they experienced and saw around them, they attributed those phenomena to the power of the gods. So there was a God of the sun and of the river and of childbirth and of crops, etc., etc. And most of all, Pharaoh himself in Egypt was worshipped as a God. So when Moses and Aaron show up in his presence and they say, hey, there's a new God in town. And he says that the Israelites are his people. And he sent us to declare their independence from you. So let my people go. Pharaoh's reply is, who is this God? Who is this Yahweh to claim that he's greater than me and all of the other gods of Egypt? How dare he think that he can send his representatives to march in here like he's a God greater than I am or greater than all of the other gods of Egypt? Who is this Yahweh? And it sets up the central conflict of the place. Because the Lord says, I will prove to you that I am peerless. That there are no, I have no peers. There are none other like me. There are none who can stand beside me. There are none who can be compared to me. And the plagues prove that the so-called gods of Egypt were no gods at all. Because each one of these ten plagues humiliates one of the Egyptians' gods. So the Lord, one by one, or sometimes a few at a time, takes down the gods of Egypt until he's the last god standing. The first plague, the turning of water into blood, was an attack on Hapi, H-A-P-I, the Egyptian god of the Nile. He was a water bearer. The second plague, frogs, was an attack upon Heket, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, and renewal, who was pictured as having the head of a frog. The third plague of gnats, they were actually black flies and they descend upon Maine every June. Uh, I'm just kidding. Or am I? The Nats. The Nats were an attack on Geb. Geb was the Egyptian god over the dust of the earth. You see, Geb can't even keep control of his own dust, which it says the Lord turned into Nats. It may have also been an attack upon Set, who was the Egyptian god of desert storms. The fourth plague, the flies, was an attack upon Kepri, the Egyptian god of creation, movement of the sun, and rebirth. Kepri had the head of a fly. The fifth plague on the livestock was an attack upon Hathor, the Egyptian goddess of love and protection, and Apis, the bull god, who is the symbol of fertility. 
The sixth plague boils on the people was an attack upon Isis, who was the Egyptian goddess of medicine and peace, and also Sekhmet, the goddess with power over disease, and Sunu, the pestilence god, because none of them, none of them were able to stop this plague upon the people. The seventh plague, the hail and fire, was an attack upon Nut, the Egyptian goddess of the sky, and Osiris, who is the god of the crops and fertility. The eighth plague, the locusts, was an attack upon Seth, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder, because the locusts were sent from the sky, and he wasn't able to stop them. It was a further attack, again, on Nut, the sky goddess, and Osiris, the god of the crops. And the ninth plague, the penultimate plague, darkness for three days. Now this one, this one has special significance. Because of all of the gods, of all of the pantheon of Egypt, the god most worshipped, other than Pharaoh himself, was the god of the sun. The Egyptians served Horus, who was the god of the sunrise, Aten, the god of the round midday sun, and Atum, the god of the sunset. But the supreme deity was Amun-Re, the sun god. The Egyptians believed that this solar deity, Amun-Re, was their creator. And every morning, the rising of the sun in the east affirmed his life-giving power. And for the Egyptians, it was a matter of faith that the eternally rising sun could never, never be destroyed. And then this God, Yahweh, showed up and he brought darkness on the land. And for three days, the sun didn't seem to rise or shine. Ray, the sun god, Egypt's life-giving creator and sustainer, was darkened, decisively defeated by Yahweh. Who is this Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. Well, Yahweh is the last God left standing, Pharaoh. He's the only one left. The Egyptian pantheon's been overthrown and humiliated. These so-called gods have all been exposed. The plagues were judgment upon the gods of Egypt. And in fact, next week we'll hear the Lord say in Exodus 12.12, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. Once Israel is delivered, we'll hear them celebrate in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, Who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you? None of the other gods could stand in your presence. You were the last god standing. When Moses leads the people out and he comes to meet his father-in-law in the desert, Jethro is going to say to him in Exodus 18:11, Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods. And later on, when the book of Numbers recounts all the plagues, the second half of Numbers 33, verse 4 says, On their gods also the Lord executed judgments. These plagues were judgment on the gods of Egypt. Yahweh proved himself to be peerless. He has no peers. There are none like him. There are none who can stand beside him, none who can be compared to him, none can stand against him. He is Peerless. And as we're going to see next week when we talk about the tenth and final plague against the final god of Egypt, who is Pharaoh himself, the plagues will have decisively proved that Yahweh is peerless. And how do they do that? 
They do it by the second P, by revealing His power. He is powerful. You might have noted, the first two plagues, did, did you hear? The Egyptian magicians were able to copy them. The Egyptian magicians were able to duplicate the plagues. So these wizards were able to turn water to blood and produce frogs, which is really just what Egypt needed at that time, isn't it? You know, almost all of the water had been turned to blood, so they find some of the fresh water left and they go, hey, look, we can make that blood too. That's not helpful. We needed that water. Or or how about in the middle of a frog infestation? Hey, check this out. We can bring forth more frogs too. Pharaoh was like, that's great. Can you make the frogs go away? (laughs) Friends, that's the point. The magicians could fake it, but they couldn't fix it. They could fake it, but they couldn't fix it. Friends, there are dark and demonic powers in this world. However, all of those powers are bad, anemic copies of the Lord's power. They might have been able to copy the Lord's power, but they were powerless to conquer it. They were powerless to conquer it. There was no power in the world then. There is no power in the world now. And there will never be any power in this world greater than the Lord's power. And the plagues proved the Lord's power. In fact, when they got to the third plague, you might have remembered, you might remember what happened. The magicians, it says in Exodus 18, uh, Exodus 8, verse 18, the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. A power greater than ours. Not only are we powerless to defeat this, we can't even now duplicate this. This is the finger of God. He's more powerful than we are in His little finger. And after this statement, the Egyptian magicians, they disappear from the account until we actually hear about them again. I don't know if you heard this. A brief mention in the sixth plague. In the sixth plague, the plague of boils on the people in Exodus 9, verse 11, we get to see them again. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and all the Egyptians. Now, cleanliness was paramount in Egyptian society, and this plague made the people all unclean. The magicians who have been performing to this point rituals to oppose the Lord, they've been exposed as powerless, and here and now, we find that they're declared unclean in such a state they can't even perform their rituals anymore. They can't even stand before Pharaoh, and they couldn't stand before the Lord, because, friends, no power can stand before the Lord. And so Moses, the Lord's representative, is the last man standing. He's the last man standing before Pharaoh because Yahweh is the last God standing as all the other gods are defeated. The plagues demonstrate the full power of the Lord, not only over creation itself, but did you notice that he has the power over the timing of all the plagues? You know, the the Lord goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, with the frogs, tell me exactly when you want these frogs taken away. When do you want the frogs gone, Pharaoh? And Pharaoh says in Exodus 8.10, Tomorrow. And Moses says, Be it as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. So Moses says the very timing of these plagues, when they start and when they stop, are further demonstrations so that you will know there is no power. There is no power 
like the Lord's power. These plagues weren't some random occurrence. And even if these plagues somehow happened by natural means, as some people have suggested, the timing of the plagues is undeniably supernatural. And more than that, the Lord further exhibits His power by making a distinction between His people and the people of Israel. For example, the fourth plague, the plague of flies. The Lord declared in Exodus 8.22, On that day I will set apart, I will separate, I'll set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And from then on, all the plagues, we see that a distinction was made between the people of Egypt and the people of Israel. In order that, just as the Lord declared, you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. The plagues reveal my power. They reveal my power over creation. They reveal my power to protect my people. They reveal my power to bring judgment when and how I choose. And there is no God of Egypt that can contend against my power. The plagues prove that the Lord is peerless. They prove that the Lord is powerful. And as such, the plagues guarantee, they guarantee that the name of the Lord is going to be proclaimed. The third P, proclaimed. The phrase, that blank shall know I am the Lord, is used in the book of Exodus at least ten times. That you, that they, that the nations shall know I am the Lord over and over and over again because these plagues were so that the Lord's name might be proclaimed and might be known. You know, first, the Lord wanted His name to be proclaimed to the Egyptians. He said that at the beginning of the plague. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 5, He says, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. And many of the Egyptians did hear, and they did respond. You might remember when the plague of hail was threatened, some of the Egyptians were listening. And they believed God could and would do it, and acted accordingly. Exodus 9, verses 20 and 21. Whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, they hurried his slaves and livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the fields. So again, the plagues proclaimed to the people of Egypt the power of God, and some believed, and some responded. However, the plagues also proclaimed the name of the Lord to the people of Israel themselves. Remember, Israel, when this starts, had been in slavery for 400 years. And as you can imagine, having been in slavery for 400 years, you know, some of them had probably lost faith in the God of their fathers. They probably lost faith in His power to save and deliver them from bondage. They'd probably given up and they said, well, they had a meager kind of worship of Him and a, a meager kind of trust, but no hope that He could save or deliver them. So the plagues demonstrated to Israel the very power of God to save, the power of God that worked on their behalf. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, the Lord says to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson 
how I've dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I've done among them that you may know that I'm the Lord. He said, I want my name and my deeds to be proclaimed among my people Israel so that they will know my power. And they might proclaim my name and my power to their children and to their children's children to a thousand generations that they might know my power. The plagues proclaim the Lord's name and His purposes to His people that he might, they might know and trust Him. And upon delivering them safely to Mount Sinai, we hear the Lord say to His people in Exodus 29, And Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord. So the plagues declared the Lord's name so that he might be known not just by the Egyptians, but also by the Israelites, and so that they might put their trust in him. But not just the Egyptians and the Israelites. He wanted his name to be declared to all of the nations. We already heard at the opening statement, Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, the Lord says to Pharaoh, For this purpose I've raised you up to show my power, so that my name may be proclaimed where? To all the earth. I don't just want Egypt to know. I just don't want you to know, Israel. I want the whole earth, all the nations to know. These plagues are so my name might be proclaimed to all the nations. And friends, his name was. When Israel finally leaves Egypt, we hear them celebrating in the desert in Exodus chapter 15. They sing a song of praise that says, The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia, and the chiefs of Edom are dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall on them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purposed, whom you have purchased, that is. So all the nations heard, and they feared, because of the power of the Lord displayed. And in fact, when Israel arrived at the edge of the promised land of Canaan, and they were about to enter, they sent some spies into the city of Jericho, who were hidden by a woman named Rahab. And why did Rahab, this Canaanite woman, choose to hide the Israelite spies rather than turning them in. She explains in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen on us so that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to, dr- to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There's no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. Friends, His name had been proclaimed to the nations. The nations had heard, and they'd heard of His power. And many heard, and like the Egyptians, responded. To that power. So we witness the nations melt away before Pharaoh, yielding to his power. I mean, melt away before the Lord, yielding to his power. But the question is would Pharaoh? Would Pharaoh? 
Because like we said last week when we talked about the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, really these plagues, during the entire plague, it's like, it's like we have some kind of an MRI or some kind of a scan machine over Pharaoh's heart through all the plagues. Did you hear how many times it talks about the hardness of Pharaoh's heart? It's like through the whole place. We have a, a running commentary 